A reading from the Gospel of John, from the long and winding sixth chapter, this one verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Hopefully by now you have seen the announcements how two weeks from this Thursday we'll be sponsoring a virtual conversation on a life worth living. David Brooks from the New York Times and Miroslav Wolf from Yale University will join us virtually to have this conversation. And out of that will also come a class, a life worth living. And the basic idea is, well, it's rather simple, but not simple. And that is, what's the meaning of life? What is this about? How do we make sense of the world? In fact, for that class, I've outlined a number of, of questions that we'll be wrestling with. Things like, what does the good life look like? Is it the same for everyone? Is the good life attainable for all persons? Is it about my life only? What if what I want diminishes others? Is the good life always one of comfort? What about suffering? Is the good life about safety? If people around the world deal with violence and wars within their borders all the time, how are we to feel in the face of violence in our streets? What does a life worth living really look like? This past Wednesday, we witnessed something that would have seemed unimaginable. What did the people want? There were protesters, but what did they want? And there were rioters, what did they want? And what did we want watching it on our television sets? What do you want for your life and for the life of all Americans and for the life of all people on God's green earth? What do we want? In preparation for that Life Worth Living course, there's reading that you have to do ahead of time, but there's also a, a little list at the end of each session. Just if you wanted to read more on this topic, the very first week, one of those things under the if you want to read more is a short story by E.B. White. You, you might know that name from the children's book, Charlotte's Web. But his short story, The Second Tree from the Corner, was named one of the best short stories of the 20th century. It's about a fellow named Trexler, lives in New York City, goes to a psychiatrist every week, and almost always as the sun is setting, kind of a gloomy gray type of day, time of day, and it, it sort of reflects where he is and how he feels. And it's always the same thing. The psychiatrist asking, so what do you want? And Trexler trying to figure out what he wants or what the doctor wants him to say he wants. Over and over, it's the same thing. What do you want? What do you want? Trexler can't quite say what he wants, but he knows there is a want inside of him. And then one session, he gets this crazy idea and turns it back on the psychiatrist. The doctor says, so what do you want? And he says, I don't know. What do you want? And the doctor is taken aback. I mean, he, he really, he pushes back and he answers way too quickly and glibly. I, I, I want more money. I, I want more leisure time. Oh, I know. I want a new wing on my house. 
And Trexler stifles a smile because he knows that that's not what people want. I mean, a new wing, sure, but it's not what people want down deep. What do you want is the question in John chapter 6. Only not in so many words, or maybe I should say not in so few words, because while we read the, only the one verse, it occupies, this story occupies the entire sixth chapter, 71 verses long, and it's complicated. Jesus, it, it goes something like this. Jesus feeds a group of people with some bread and some fish, and sensing that they want to make him their leader for the wrong reason, he withdraws. The disciples, they get in a boat. They do this all the time, right? They go across the Sea of Galilee. A storm comes up, and Jesus comes walking on the water, and they're afraid. He gets in the boat. He calms the storm. They get to the other side, and there are the people, and they've heard about the bread that he fed people with, and they're interested, and there's questions. And Jesus says, you're only following me because I gave you something to eat, right? This is about the bread. And then what happens in the rest of that chapter it's, it's kind of funny in a way, not ha-ha. It's more like irony funny. It's more like a play on words, like Woody Allen's double entendres. You've heard me say it before, but in the Gospel of John, Jesus and those who he is talking with, they're not on the same level. Jesus talks, and it's, it's up here, and, and the people talk, and it's, it's kind of down here. Like, just a couple of pages earlier than this, it's about water, not bread. This woman has come to draw water, bucket in hand, but she comes at a time of day when the shunned women go to draw water. She doesn't want to be around the others who would gossip about her life that has become a mess just so happens Jesus is there this day, and they strike up a conversation about water. And then Jesus says, you know, I could give you living water. And she says, you don't even have a bucket. You hear it? They're not communicating. And as the conversation unfolds, suddenly she realizes he's talking about something totally different, finding meaning and purpose and she says, oh, sir, give me that water. She feels the thirst. In the sixth chapter, it's not water, it's bread. The people are down here, they're talking about bread, you know, like flour and yeast. And, and Jesus is talking about the bread of God that gives life to the world. And it's like they're at Panera. Yeah, give us a couple of loaves of that. Just total misunderstanding. They, they, don't, they don't quite get what he's talking about. Bread in this chapter isn't just about bread. It's about a longing. A longing for meaning and life and purpose. You know, from the time that that bearded Santa in the mall asked us, so what do you want? We've been trying to figure it out ever since. It is the question. It is the poster child of all existential questions. What do we want? It's the kind of question you ask at the beginning of a new year. It's the kind of question you ask in the midst of a pandemic, when racial tension has driven things crazy in the last year, and, and especially in this moment, just a few days after what we witnessed. What 
do we want? There's so many things in just this one verse that call for attention, including things like Jesus uses double negatives. You remember the English teachers said, don't do that. But it's, it's almost like he says, those who come to me will never, not ever hunger again. Never, not ever be thirsty again. But what fascinates me more than that is the two little words, I am. I mean, it doesn't seem like much. In that scene when he comes to them walking on the water in the midst of the storm and they cry out for fear, he says, English translations, it is I, do not be afraid. Not a very good translation. It is I. Who says that? That sounds like the three musketeers. He says, I am. Don't be afraid. And while that might be a little awkward too, it's actually the name of God. Do you remember? In the first testament, Moses is having a conversation with God and says, well, what's your name? And the voice comes down and says, my name is I am. Yahweh in Hebrew. But while Jesus says, I am, 15 times in the Gospel of John, this is the first time he says it and links it to something we know, something earthy, bread. And maybe, I mean, who's to say, maybe this is a kind of signal that what we are looking for is here. What that woman was craving all along was always there. Is it possible that this text is reminding us that the life we are looking for is here among us, even as we search? Watching the news on Wednesday, I was reminded of 9-11. They're they're not the same. And yet my mind was taken back to that moment, that national moment. I remember that beautiful Tuesday morning. David May and I were just minutes away from going into the classroom, a class on the Gospel of Matthew, and that day we were to study the Beatitudes. David came, told me what had happened. We decided, of course, that class wouldn't meet, but we didn't just cancel. We met for a few moments to pray and to read and to reflect and then to let them go. You know those verses in the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The people following Jesus went up that mountain trying to figure out what is a life worth living? What does it look like? And we're up that mountain again this day. Scholars have never quite figured out what to do with that word blessed. They have all these suggestions. But really, even though it's awkward, it's, it's, it's a life worth living. A life worth living looks like this. Blessing upon those who mourn. Blessing upon those who are poor in spirit. What do we want? In, in the short story, Trexler, he passes the bars on 3rd Avenue and he sees the guys in there hoisting their drinks, you know, and at the bottom looking through the glass, almost as if it were a telescope and they were looking for planets, trying to figure out this system. And he knows that doesn't do it. I mean, a drink can numb you, but it doesn't do it. 
And then he has a breakthrough. It doesn't exactly happen in a session, but right after a session. He's leaving, and Central Park is looming green, and the clouds are breaking up, and the sun is starting to shine, and then he sees this tree, the second tree from the corner. And it is gorgeous. He can't quite figure it out. But in seeing that tree, he realizes that what he is looking for, no one can give and no one can take away. And it is at once both great and, and somehow microscopic. <laughs> when my students in class read this short story, they were, they were stumped. And I said, don't take it so literally. He doesn't want a tree. It's what the tree stands for. And for a moment, he gets a glimpse of what it is he desires and craves. And if the truth be told, that's usually what we get, just a little glimpse. Because we're all searching. And that's what we'll do that night with Brooks and Wolf. And that's what we'll do in that class. And that's what we do every day. A few years ago, I was in a bookstore browsing, which I think is kind of a symbol of searching as well. It's very different from going on Amazon and clicking in a title. And I found this book, or maybe this book found me, 100 Breads of the World. I loved it. I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's got a little history of bread at the beginning, and then, of course, all those recipes. And I was looking back at this book this week, not just because of this text, but because of something else I had read. I don't even remember who I read it in, but, but the author said something about comparing our life to the ingredients in bread. And if you flip through this book of all these recipes, you know, there's only so many things you do in bread. I mean, there's flour and yeast and salt and water, and those are the basics, and they do it in all these combinations and techniques, but, but that's the essence. And this writer said, what are the ingredients in your bread. In other words, if all of us are hungry for meaning, if all of us have a longing inside of us, where are we looking? What makes for a life worth living? What do we want? What do you want?